Hi, I'm Katie. I'm with Nino. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. Hi, guys. Uh, Tyler's not with us today. Is this our first podcast without him? I think it is. Oh, we got this. Girl time. Yeah, <laughs> we got this. I And once I introduce our guest, it's, it's a no-brainer. We got this. So um, a while ago, we had uh, Victoria Kleinsman on the podcast. And right when we ended that episode, I said, Nina, could we reach back out and please book her again? <laughs> and um, so he, she's here with us again today. So I want to jump right in. Um, I think the best thing we can do is maybe you could um, read her bio in case other the listeners didn't get to uh, hear our discussion before. But I'll just say, if you haven't listened to the episode with Victoria, please go back. It was so good. And this is kind of round two of this. So uh, why don't you start us off with her bio and then I'm going to okay. introduce her and we're just going to get going. All right. So today we have Victoria Kleinsman with us, and she is a domestic abuse survivor and an ED survivor. She helps women to learn to choose better for themselves. Victoria is a food freedom and body love coach, an inspirational speaker, podcast host, and writer. She's here to show you how to find food freedom, become besties with your body, and more importantly, fall in love with yourself. When you work with Victoria, you go deep. Disordered relationships with food and with your body is just a symptom of the root cause, a lack of self-worth and self-love. Victoria has a unique gift of activating women to remember who the fuck they are. Yeah. Divinity embodied and return home to infinite self-love. To quote Victoria in her own words, there's no half-arsed freedom, food freedom and self-love with me. We go all in. So I just got goosebumps. <laughs> this is perfect for the Girl Squad <laughs> yeah. episode. You do go all in. And I, I felt that from you the first time we had you on. So let's welcome Victoria. Hi, Victoria. Can you hear us? Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for reading my bio so beautifully, Nina. Thank you. <laughs> I'm available. You can, you can book me for bio reading. <laughs> um, well, welcome. We're so grateful that you're willing to, to um, join us again. I know we have a, a, a major time difference. So remind us of where you're calling in from. So I'm calling in from the Netherlands and it's currently eight o'clock in the evening. Oh my God. <laughs> thank you. One time we had to do a podcast at like Seven, maybe like five, six thirty or five. We won't give the real time. And we, Nina and I, were falling asleep on the podcast, and yeah. they're like, "It's dinner. Why can't you guys get it together?" We're like, we're just so tired, so late. Embarrassing. So thank you so much. Um, really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I, when, when before we started the podcast, I was saying like, "Oh, what is our agenda?" And it's like there, I feel like there's just no agenda because I, I, I wanted this to just be organic, and I just want to like have an authentic conversation. Because um, there's no way that I think we're going to bullet point this out in terms of people like turning things around. Right. So but I would love turning things around in the sense of like their relationship with self. It's a very long journey. I think it's a layered journey. I think every person's path is very unique. And so we try our best to not be like the tips and tricks podcast. Like we're not tipping and tricking our way into self-love. Like, sure, there are different things that we can offer as resources, but we always recognize that people's paths are going to just like be a combination of thousands of different things that work for them and so but I do find it really helpful to go down a path of like understanding you know we, we've done a podcast around your experience and we can bring some of those um, examples up again if we want but I also want to just like I think I wanted to start with this idea of food freedom because it sounds amazing and um, <laughs> Where I would buy I that would like, yes I would like to buy that so um Maybe we can, I don't know, I know that's a heavy a heavy topic, but do you want to start there and kind of just like, how would you guide like a client who's coming to you who's like, I want food freedom and I don't know what that is and help me better understand that because I think if we all pause for a moment, we can at least acknowledge this. 
many of us have felt like we were in food jail. There's a rule, there's a judgment, the food judgment, there's a good, there's a bad, there's a polarization, there's really, really toxic dynamics with food that we have normalized. And so this idea of food freedom, I think we aren't even aware that that exists because I think some of us aren't even aware that we're in the jail of food and our relationship with it. So where would you start with someone who is like maybe not even aware they're in the jail? I don't know. Yeah, I'm so glad you described it that way, Katie, because it's true, right? The society we live in, diet culture is the norm. It's almost like a religion, like society's religion, that we're so brainwashed and conditioned into living, it's quote normal. And so anyone who isn't either wanting to be on a diet, on a diet, or actively trying to maintain or lose weight, that's the abnormal. Well, that's actually not true because if you look at babies and toddlers as they grow up before we start to condition them in society, when they've had enough breast milk, they'll turn away. When, when they're eating and they get given enough variety, they'll pick different things. It won't just be the candy or the chocolate. If you give them like a variety of like cheese, grapes, they'll pick like a balance naturally and they'll stop eating when they've had enough. It's only when we start to bring, well, body image is a big part of it. Trauma can be part of it as well because food can be like a control coping mechanism. But just speaking from the context of normal life, it's so normal to try and change our body and we think we change our body by changing our relationship with food. And I remember when, I don't know if oh, I said- I gotta, I've got to back you up there. I yes. need you to say that one more time because <laughs> that was really powerful. What did you I said, just say? <laughs> you said, <laughs> we think we change our body. Yes. By, what did she say? I, it was so good. It, it was so good. Back. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. We think- we can change our body permanently by changing what we eat and change, basically messing with our relationship with food. Which is an inference for then we'll be happy. Exactly. And also, it's also true. So I always like to address the elephant in the room when I'm speaking to a client on a consultation call, perhaps. Most of the, the driver of fucking with your relationship with food is lack of body acceptance, lack of self-love, lack of self-worth, because in society, people do judge people on the basis of size. So let's not pretend that they don't because they do. And that's not okay, but they do. And so it's how to deal with that. I mean, I'm not in a large body. Some of my clients are, and, and I say a large body in a way that they can't go to a normal shop and buy clothes. They can't fit into a plain seat or they're very scared that they might not be able to. And so they experience and they live a different life than we do. And that's not okay. So there's like many layers to all of this, but ultimately we're sold the lie that we can control our weight permanently by just using willpower and dieting. But if that was true, why is it that over, 90, over 95% of people who diet fail? and then go the other way. I mean, that's the data I've discovered. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like we're trying to do this thing and then we end up actually going the opposite way that we want. And I yeah. think that if people could recognize that, like I just don't know how many, I mean, you just have to keep saying it, I guess. Diets do not work. Like, and actually maybe we'll take it to the next level. 
and say diets are harmful. Like they, they are. they're harmful on your potentially physical body, uh, your emotional well-being, your social well-being. Like the, it's it, it's it's interwoven in all of the parts of who you are. And it's it's I don't know if I'm like going to get reamed for saying that, but like they're 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 harmful. Oh, sorry, Dina. No, I was just going to say that they can actually cause metabolic damage as well. Like if you are more able to practice balance and choosing foods that feel good and fueling your body, like you are operating at a higher like energy output. But there's brain fog. There's there's like physiological responses to dieting that are really negative for the body. And when your body goes into starvation mode, like it changes your metabolism rate, like all these different things happen when we're controlling what we're eating in that yeah. way. Absolutely. 37% of people who diet develop an eating disorder. Not disordered eating, eating disorder. That's high. Yeah. I mean, anorexia, obviously the most severe restrictive eating disorder, that does have a genetic component to it, but it starts off by restricting your food. Those who don't have the genetic um, genetics for anorexia, they, as you've said, Katie, when they diet, their emotional and mental health goes down they start to become obsessed with how they look and what their body looks like and they start to attach their worth and happiness to their body size and they binge eat emotional eat there's a great book I'm sure you've heard of it it's called health at every size by Linda Bacon and she researches and she links a lot of researchers in her book and just one of them which makes complete sense to me is that Emotional eating, by the way, is different to binge eating. We can go into that if you want to. But she's found in her research that every single person who has been a dieter or is a dieter turns to food in emotional regress. Whereas those who have never dieted before actually tend to turn away from food during emotional regress. I mean, there's no proof as to what actually causes that but I know from personal experience and perhaps I'd you know I'd like to hear what you think about that in your personal journey too but I know from personal experience that because I've restricted so much in my life whether I've been quote successful at this said restriction or not because I did experience binge eating later on in my eating disorders food was such this like all or nothing and it was a comfort for me so the second I was feeling sad or stressed or angry Food was there for me because I also had a fear of there not being enough. And so it was kind of both at the same thing. Whereas most people, when you're in stress and you're not feeling great, the appetite normally gets switched off. Well, it's also really messy and complicated because if you're in a bigger body and you're not meeting the societal standard and you use uh, diet and excessive exercise to attempt to meet that standard and if you get closer to that standard and you're getting external praise then one would say oh it's not impacting your emotional well-being but to me emotional well-being is very complicated and very layered and I believe that like there's this deep intrinsic very deep rooted sense of self and connection with self that provides the most valuable emotional nurturing that you can get. And I think that when we do get that more surface level validation, it scratches the surface, but it never, ever, ever touches that deeper sense because that deeper sense is not rooted in judgment. That deeper sense is not rooted in worthlessness. That deeper sense is not rooted in um, not 
accepting yourself or loving yourself for the way your body is. And those more surface level validations are rooted in that, right? They're rooted in judgment. They're rooted in critical thinking. They're rooted in... So it's like this weird, like, yeah, you might get a little bit of like praise from society and you might feel less emotional uh, damage from that, but there's a deeper price that also has to be paid. And so it's really messy and complicated and kind of hard to understand, in my opinion. Yeah. And it will never be enough either. It was a quote... Uh, by Lindsay Cohan, and let me see if I can get this right because it was epic. She says something like, if you give your power away to external validation in order to feed you, you will forever be hungry. Mm-hmm. It never hits the spot. And I've experienced that. So as you know, all those that have listened to the previous episode, I was doing fitness modeling at one point and nearly every single person I met was like, praising and idolizing my body so I was where people want to be but my emotional health oh my gosh I was obsessed I couldn't even have sex and have intimacy without without worrying what I looked like what angle I was in was my tummy flat and that didn't change depending on what my weight was at the time even when I was quote in the perfect body I would wake up in the morning and if my tummy wasn't flat or if I hadn't gone to the toilet it would have ruined my whole day. I was obsessed with fitness. I mean, that's just a few. That is not good, balanced emotional health. I was constantly in like a stress response, a fear of losing the body that I'd worked so, quote, hard to get. But I was also in bulimia anyway. So a mantra that got me to where I am now that was really helpful, and I may or may not have shared this before, but it's so powerful. I want to share it with you and your listeners. And that is... Strong, authentic women do not suppress their natural body size. And I was like, really powerful. Yeah, they don't. And when you were in that obsessive state, you were rooting and clinging to that external validation. And when you were able to do some of the work that you have done, Obviously, now it's it emanates through you that you can cling to that strong internal sense of self and mm-hmm. describe that the different type of validation you get from that. Because oh, out there validation, but they're very different. Yeah, so different. It's like now when someone compliments my looks, because I say unfortunately, because I know people are trying to be nice because that's what society does, right? They comment on, oh, have you lost weight? Or how beautiful are you? And I get it. That's trying to be nice, but it doesn't mean shit. In the nicest possible way, someone can say how pretty I am or how amazing my hair is. I'm just like, yeah, thank you. It just, it doesn't touch my heart. Someone says to me, you are the kindest person I've ever met. I'm literally like, ah, I received that. Thank you. And the difference is because we're already whole and complete within us. We just don't realize that. So we feel like there's a hole somewhere and we're constantly trying to fill it with outside stuff. But it just goes in one one way and out the other of this metaphoric hole. But when you find or uncover self-love, and I don't like to say when you learn to love yourself because there's nothing to learn. You are love. You were born with love. You are the source of what you seek, you are the source of that love that you give to everyone else. There's nothing to learn. You just need to get rid of all the blocks, all the trauma, 
that's stopping you from receiving your own love that is within. And so that's why on my website, I say the words coming home to yourself because home is unconditional, unlimited, infinite self-love. And I'm trying to put this into words. It's just a depth of kind of like a comfort blanket and it's very comforting and very empowering and you can be alone but you never feel lonely mm. it's like this warmth and this power more empowerment than power within and no one can touch that someone can come up to me not that they would because I'm, I'm not vibing on that level to attract this to me but someone could come up to me and say wow you're loads bigger or fatter than when you was doing this fitness modeling, it wouldn't even touch me emotionally. If someone had said that to me six years ago, it would have ruined my whole year and I would have been dieting for another month to try and be smaller. Hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to weshape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. Wow. I mean, you just said a lot of really, I mean, I've always, so first of all, I've always had this weird thought and I don't want it to be taken in the wrong way, so I'm going to try to articulate it in a way that's not going to be twisted. But um, this idea that, like, you really only have yourself in the world and, like, I deeply value community partnerships. I, I value those relationships. I don't think that – I think that human beings need those things to thrive. But I I also understand that at the end of the day, you really only do have you on the inside. Like that that in this moment, in this in this present time, like that is what I really have. So this idea of coming home to that self first and coming from that place and then culting, re cultivating relationships from there, right? Cultivating, uh, you know, healthy relationships with food from there. But it's, I've always had that thought in my mind. Like, I mean, like, sure, like you can get married, you can do this, you can do that. But like, sometimes I believe that those are just like false, ass false assurance, right? Like, I can hope that my partner and I evolve at the same time throughout our life and are always a match, right? I can hope that these things that I'll always have these certain people in my life, like I can hope that. But I've also, you know, gone through a couple things in my life that have really shifted that perception really dramatically. I've had two close people who were very young suddenly die in my life. One was uh, 16 years old when I was 16 and one was 38 when I was uh, in my early 30s. And to watch life be so fragile wanted me to, to make those connections deeper in my life. But it also reminded me that if I don't have a strong connection with myself and then my entire life's worth is relying on other people's existence and their opinion of me 
that's not going to work, right? Not to say I'm not deeply mourning the loss of people. Not to say that I don't value, I deeply value community. It's like a whole pillar in my company. But it's it's more about this relationship with self that's like the going through that allowed me to to see the importance of that community, but it also allowed me to see the importance of my connection with self. Yes. I don't know if I'm making sense. You're making sense to me. Okay. I definitely think about the moments like where um, you maybe achieve something that's really important to you. And perhaps the people around you don't agree or they don't uh, share the same value system as as you might. That doesn't mean what you accomplish isn't important, right? It, it only means that you're kind of the one who's in charge of celebrating that, that uh, milestone. And like I've experienced that in my life where something, you know, I'm like waiting for the balloons to fall from the ceiling and the confetti to fly and for everyone to clap for me. And there's maybe nobody there who shares that value system. And I have to kind of be like, you know what, it's still, I still have to create my own merit, I guess, and say, I did that though. And it feels really good. And I'm going to be proud of that and carry it in that way without expecting the out exterior to celebrate me the way I kind of would want. Because I think as social creatures, we're designed to look outward for validation. It's a kind of a natural thing. I mean, when you were speaking about this um, idea of like body image and all the things, I was listening and like, I agree with you so strongly about food freedom and all that. And then I realized too, like when you don't subscribe to those things, people almost want to give you like this other side, which is that, oh, well, like you just don't care or like you're lazy or like your, um, yeah, your value system is skewed. Like it is literally the norm for people to want to change their body size and want to do these things. And if you don't, like there might be something wrong with you. Yeah. Like, and that's the message we get so frequently. So I definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. It's just this idea of like impermanence is part of life. Right. And I have experienced so far that the only thing that's really permanent is my relationship with myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And again, not to in any way devalue community and deep intimacy with other people. I think it's incredibly important. Uh, but I also recognize the level of impermanence in this life. And so I, I, I just believe that like cultivating those relationships brings so much value and, and, and meaning to my life. But the thing that I can cling to the most that I can actually guarantee permanence on is my connection with self. Right. That's your yeah. longest standing relationship. Yeah. With yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I always talk about the like the good things in my life, like the connection with friends and those things. It's like the frosting on my cupcake. But like yeah. I got to be the cupcake. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's when you're trying to run away from things like um, I've spoke with many clients about this before. If they think they move somewhere or change their environment, that everything will change. Or if they leave the relationship, I tell them wherever you go, there you are. And if you don't work on you, you're just going to attract the same person in a different body playing the same relationship patterns out over and over again because everything's a mirror, right? That has been my experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, kind of going back to this idea around the validation and food and food freedom, it's like, it's like what I hear you saying is like, we could tip and trick our way out of this toxic relationship with food and maybe get to food freedom. But what you're really saying is true food freedom comes from true connection with self and working on that relationship that path will ultimately lead that relation the 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 concentration and the focus on that relationship with self is inevitably going to lead to ultimately freedom in many many parts of our life not just with food yes you said that beautifully because that is exactly it I I actually don't teach intuitive eating I've called myself a food freedom coach for a reason 
I teach intuition living. So so the difference just briefly into intuitive eating is eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, not eating out of emotion, eating what you want, blah, blah, blah. And there's some great points to that. But those that have been in chronic dieting or chronic restriction, they can easily, because I did it too, they can easily turn the intuitive eating guidelines into rules. And Mm. so what happens then if I'm at your office right now, which would be well cool because I could time travel and then just like be at your location Mm -hmm. and I'm with a a plate of hot cookies and you're not hungry, but you want a cookie because they're in front of you, they smell nice and you want to experience that pleasure and that social connection. In intuitive eating, you wouldn't quote be allowed to eat because you might not be physically hungry. Mm. And so intuition eating, it's all about connection with self. It's not even connecting to your physical body and being like, am I hungry? Do I want this? It's connecting to self as a whole And just asking yourself, does this feel right to have? And so there's, it's more vague, which people don't like to begin with. So there are stages that I help them through because it is quite vague. But into intuition, eating is easy. There's no thought to it. You just connect to yourself and you just do what feels right. Well, that obviously expands in all other areas of life as well. So it is connection to self a thousand percent, yes. And that is a journey, right? Because like you said, the baby who turns away when they're done eating, that is an intuitive response. And unfortunately, we don't live in a world that holds a value around intuition. We live in a world that is like, do this, do that, do this, do that, bad, good, bad, good. And then we kind of, in order to be able to function in society amongst others, um, we have to shut down that. Uh, I, I always think of it as dials. Like there's two dials inside of me. It's like one of like the shoulds from the outside and then there's the internal dial. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really are born with the internal dial at a 10 and the external dial at a zero. And then over time, I think they just reverse. I think it goes, you know. And so I think it really is important to just understand that. And then I don't know how you tell people to do it for myself. Wanna, and by no means is my internal dial at 10 yet. But um, one of the things that I have done is just acknowledge that as the truth. And then ask myself and set an intention. I want my internal dial to be turned up louder. And then when I do that, sometimes I just get a real loud, you know, a blast real quick, a quick 10. And then I go, ooh, okay, remember what this feels like to sit in that feeling of knowing. Truth, you can't, true, authentic, intuitive truth, you can't describe that to anybody. You can't, you can't tip your way to that feeling. That is such a strong feeling. And I do think that the more we set an intention for that, the more it organically happens and the more it organically happens, the better relationship we build with it. And then I do think those dials kind of balance out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's practice as well. So I can, get, I can, I would like to offer a little exercise that everyone can do. Love that. So they know, because this comes down to self-trust, right? So oh, self-connection yeah. is, of course, at the same flavor, if you like, in terms of like, let's use the food language, the same flavor as self-love. So, uh, sorry, self-trust. So self-trust and self-connection. We've been taught not to trust ourselves. We've been taught to 
trust a diet plan or to trust a calorie counter or to trust a nutrition coach to tell us what and when to eat that's different to expanding your knowledge on nutrition there's obviously a difference we all want to feel good and we need to understand what balanced is in terms of building a meal but when if you want to know what you've just described katie what the ultimate truth is for you in any decision so it can be literally looking at a menu and not knowing to have this or that it could be going for a job it could be knowing what to eat it can be anything there's a practice that I like to do with and I still do this for myself with big decisions I I sit and close my eyes and I imagine so two different choices that you've got to make pick one and close your eyes and feel into that choice so whatever it is let's say it's the menu and let's say I don't know it's the pizza versus the salad that's just a typical example and you close your eyes and you imagine eating the pizza and you feel in your body how that feels. Does it feel expansive? Does it feel nourishing? Does it feel loving? And then do the same with imagine yourself eating the salad. Does that feel expansive and loving or does it feel restrictive and like it's a should? So, and it could be either or. It could, this salad could feel expansive and loving and nourishing because everyone's different, every day you're different. It might be pizza one day and salad the next, but in that moment, your body always, always knows the truth. All we have to do is just take a few moments, a few seconds even, to get quiet within and just feel what feels most expansive, because you will know that, and it's not something that I can tell someone on a coaching call, this is what's right for you. I ask them the right question so they find the answer for themselves. So it's a feeling like you said, Katie, and the more you practice that, it just comes so easy for me right now. And I want to highlight something really important because I think that sometimes we, I'll actually I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I uh, intertwine the words feeling and thinking. <laughs> Feelings don't happen in your mind. Feelings no. are in your body right? I think we're sometimes, do they happen in your mind maybe? I don't know. Maybe they're initiated there, but my feelings happen in my body. Yeah. And so I think when we're like, okay, I will do that practice of pizza or salad. And then it's like the mind will start going. And then yes. it'll be like, you feel like a salad. And it's like really because you have been told that's what you should have, right? So it's like, I think what you're asking people to do is this is not a thinking exercise. This is a feeling exercise. And the feeling is going to help you build self-trust. And the more self-trust you have, the better you can navigate your life through your intuition. And the better you can navigate your life through the intuition, the more connected you are in, with self and can have that self-worth. Um, but I want to also highlight that we live in a culture that does not value feelings. Mm -hmm. We live in a culture that is like, hold it together. Um, make sure that your Instagram looks great. So I, um, so I don't know the truth for you, Casey. Stay so, true. So I want to, I love this exercise. I know we're running out of time and I think it's actually a great place to end that because I feel like it's not a tip. It's an exercise for allowing people to have permission to connect with themselves, but it, it's not a thinking thing. It's a feeling thing. And so I, I just want to like mention that because I mix that up a lot. So I'm thinking if I mix that up, I bet you other people are mixing that up too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is interesting that you've said that because some people say, 
I feel this, but what they're actually saying is I'm thinking this because like yes. you said, feelings are initiated in the brain and then they send all the signals to your body and then that's where you feel it physically. I kind of, this is like a very broad place to end, but I just want to offer this question to you, to Katie, to Nina and to your listeners. And if you've got time for us to answer it, maybe now or on your social media, what do you think the difference is between your brain and your mind? Oh God, I'll get back to you in like a week's time. <laughs> I don't know. I, when I think of the brain, I think of more like the physical anatomy of my body. And when I think of my mind, I think of my spirit and my soul. Yeah, I guess that's probably where I would lean as well. Like your brain's like a little mass of, of meat that has like electrical impulses yeah. and like the scientific elements of that. And it just does things because that's its job. It just, it creates thought because that's its designated use. Yeah. And then my mind being more connected to my feelings and like that more like loosey goosey stuff outside of it. But we would yeah. love to know what you think of this. <laughs> so very, very similar to what you've said. So your brain is a physical organ like your kidney that has electric synapses that thinks automatically from past conditioning and experiences. Your mind is in every cell of your body. It's not in your head, it's everywhere. And your mind gets to choose conscious thought. Mm -hmm. So the brain thinks automatically, but the mind chooses conscious thought. And the more you choose conscious thoughts, your brain's always watching and it will start to automate those conscious thoughts, but you have to just keep repeating it consistently that's how I went from speaking to myself like shit and now automatically speaking to myself with love and kindness you get to choose by using your conscious mind to tell your brain how you want to live your life in your reality it's like a software <laughs> yeah because <laughs> if you don't make that conscious choice it's it sounds like your brain's going to choose for you yes due to conditioning and that wasn't your yeah. choice from the age of zero to six your unconscious mind was downloaded for you from all of your life up until that point you didn't have a choice to be like mm, don't like that not going to have that in my belief system it's given to you but we get to change that with food with so your powerful. body with anything so powerful that's the more you do it in one area i think the more it touches other areas is kind of what we've learned in talking with victoria and a lot of our guests is if you do it in this one area, it really expands into others. And you have more food freedom, you have more personal freedom, you have more self-trust, like in love, like we say. So. Well, I feel like that's why I've always been interested, you know, in the industry that we're in is because it's it's a tangible thing for me to say, here, try this this exercise. Here, try this workout. Try to move with your body and connect with your body in a different way because it's the water slide into, the connection with the body is like the water slide into um, a more deeper connection with this this spirit and this mind that you, that we're talking about. So, Victoria, I of course could continue to talk to you for hours. So we're gonna have to go to another one. But no, it's gonna on our way. Fine. <laughs> Next we're gonna out. force our friendship on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's received with open arms. Yeah. Really. Uh, thank you so much. Where can our listeners find you? Absolutely, victoriakleinsman.com and then from my website, all my social media links and. The freebies and all of that are on there. So come and say hi. Awesome. Thank you again. Well, we hope to have you back again because, again, these conversations could continue going. So that's how I know we've, we've got a wonderful guest. So thank you again, and we will hopefully connect soon. You are so welcome. Much love, ladies. Thank bye you. Bye. 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 
Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.